Sweep over me, O gentle sea. Bleach white these ancient bones. Wash clean this rotting flesh. If you only could. Papetia, my home. A beautiful country. A hard land. Here I have lived for 400 years. The undead do not live. I am Leopold Michael Georgie Count Dracula, King of Shadows. Evil, lust, and death lurk within my cloak. Do you feel the chill in the air? It's kind of warm in here, actually. Yeah. But I do, in general. I feel <laughs> feel a preternatural cold settling in on the land. It's that soon, you know, soon the darkness will fall. And it will consume us all. Yes. That's how we know. It's time for the five weeks of fright once again. Yes, five weeks of fright three. Season of the tits. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, well, our listeners are welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hey there. And uh, we are, as I implied, beginning our five weeks of fright. I would say that I didn't even imply it. I said it directly. And I'm saying it again. Five weeks of fright. Welcome once again to the five weeks of fright. Now our patrons got an early head start on this at uh, patreon.com slash raincoat report. We sure did. As uh, we plumbed the depths of Pornhub's uh, Halloween contest <laughs> to bring out bring you an anthology in the vein of uh, Amicus or uh, Creep Show. Yes. <laughs> you know, short tales to curdle the blood. Yes, and curdle your seed. Ew. <laughs> but uh, this week, we have uh, quite a tale to curdle something. We return to a topic that we have covered before, but in a very different way. And that's because this week, we are covering Dracula Exotica which would be the second Dracula film that we've covered, and in fact, the second Jamie Gillis Dracula film that we've covered. It's also the return of Sean Costello, yes. who we had just last week. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> In a film from the, the previous year, 1980. Yes. So I would still call this towards the uh, latter part of uh, his career. It's in the last few years. It seems like he maybe just was like, I'm going to do a bunch of Twilight Zone stuff at the end of my <laughs> career. <laughs> uh, I, I got I recently picked up uh, Night Gallery, which is the okay. uh, successor to uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rod Serling is very haggard. I think that was towards the end of his career, too. Right. He died not long after, but he looks like if you left a, uh, like a baseball mitt in an oven. <laughs> but there's a bunch of so many segments on that show are about vampires oh really and just dracula's uh i think there might be at least three little stories like in different seasons about a dracula or just a vampire going to a blood bank oh. it's something they kept hitting on uh but one i watched the other day had caesar romero oh nice yeah he was a fine dracula 
Um, what reminded me specifically of this film was uh, an episode in the second season called "The The Devil Will Not Be Mocked," and it's about uh, Nazi soldiers pushing into the Balkans during World War II. Okay, uh, they meet a resistance force at this castle, uh, but the Baron of this castle, or perhaps the Count, uh, invites them in mm-hmm. for uh, you know just to be cordial, try to resolve their differences. Sure. Uh, the Nazi believes that this man is a, it's like le- the leader of the resistance, mm-hmm. but something much worse. He's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a interesting combination of politics and uh, Draculism, much like we'll, we'll see in this film. Yes, this film definitely took me by surprise. I expected that this would be a take on the classic Dracula formula based in part on the Bram Stoker novel and probably in part on the Universal uh, Mm -hmm. film. Uh, But what we got instead was something very different. It's, uh, yeah. When they said Dracula Exotica, I was like, oh, he's going to go to the Bahamas. (laughs) (laughs) Like He's going to go on vacation. It would be a bad place for him. (laughs) The place is all about sun and fun. Yeah, well, he does kind of uh, do some traveling in this one, but not quite to the Bahamas. No, I think there are elements of the Stoker novel in here, but they're real, like, loose. Like, I think he's on, like, he's on a boat voyage, I think is the main takeaway. Yeah. Uh, But no, this this one's pretty different. It's got one of the most original uh, vampire premises I think I've seen in quite some time. Yeah. It's a... something to behold it is and it's a, a fine way to begin the season of the tits yes <laughs> well uh this film has quite a bit of star power to it uh we have of course as i mentioned jamie gillis as count dracula uh but jamie gillis isn't the only person who was in last week's film that shows back up here oh yeah we also get ron hud <laughs> yeah as I mentioned, he would show up. Ron Jeremy. Okay. Uh, Dave Ruby. All the Rons. And uh, Marlene Willoughby. Wasn't she in last week's episode? She too? certainly was. Yes. So uh, quite a few. But in addition to that, we've got some other names in here. Uh, Samantha Fox is back. Yeah. She's um, a protagonist of sorts. Yes. This time her name is not Lisa. She has a couple names in this one, but neither is Lisa. Uh, we also have Vanessa Del Rio, uh, who may be playing a bit of a stereotype in this film, but we'll get to that. Just maybe a little bit. Uh, Eric Edwards, who is involved in some espionage uh, and is an interesting character. Uh, we have Herschel Savage. Briefly. Briefly. Um, we also have Randy West, who uh, we've seen recently as well. Yeah, he's been popping up more and more. So, Many such cases. Oh, and uh, Bobby Astor's in here. Oh, no. Baby B story is back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, this is an interesting film. Uh, it will take you on a ride that you're probably not expecting with uh, much more Cold War intrigue than either of us could have ever imagined. Yeah. It's a, it's a real... Uh, the Iron... Really slammed an iron curtain down on my head. 
Dracula backwards is Al Alucard. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's true. That's uh, why your character in Castlevania Symphony of the Night is named Alucard. Is it Dracula's son? Uh, I don't know. He fights Dracula at oh, the yeah. beginning of the movie. I don't know if he's his son. Game. Or at the beginning of the game, that's right, yes. I don't, mm. I don't know the Castlevania lore very well. It's never been what I was interested in in the series. All right. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back to talk more about Dracula Exotica. I'm going to whip the shit out of you just like Simon, Simon Garfunkel. Is that his name? <laughs> Simon, Simon Belmont. Yeah, Simon Belmont. You're going to get a Belmont beating. Get over here. You're going to get a Garfunkel beating. That's not alliterative. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. going to... Tear, it's gonna Get away. render your Get flesh. Away from me. I, Leopold, Michael, Georgie, Count Dracula, by this act, curse and defy the laws of the church. With the bloody blade that still that pure and loving heart. I swore an oath, taunting God to deny me no sanctuary in heaven or in hell, to forever taint my guilty soul with the need for blood. I don't really care for vampires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that's fair. Why do you say that? I don't want to get bit. That's fair. I don't want to... I don't want to become a lost boy. <laughs> I don't want to have to hang out under a bridge with Corey Haim. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just want to hang out under bridges with Tyler. Yeah. I guess if me and Tyler were lost boys together, that would be okay. Yeah, but you guys would always be trying to come up with excuses not to hang out with Corey Haim. Yeah, we would fly away from him. <laughs> we would turn into bats or... Uh, or we would be invisible, like in the horrible, sexy vampire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that movie was a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dracula Exotica opens up on some close-up bat shots and associated squeaking. Then shots of bats filling the sky as we get our Dracula Exotica title card. We hear Dracula talking poetically as we get our credits. Amongst the things he says is that he's lived in this land for 400 years, though he also notes that the undead don't really live. He talks about evil living under his cloak, but that it was not always so. And it's at this point that we get a flashback kind of to his origin story. Yeah, this is a... I can't really think of another Dracula film that spends so much time on the origin story besides possibly the Francis Ford Coppola film. Okay, and yeah. even that doesn't spend quite as much time as we get with uh, pre-vampiric Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's here we get introduced to him. Uh, you know, he's a human at this point, walking around in the sunlight. Uh, and uh, he casts his gaze on a busty maiden, who is Circa, 
played by the lovely and talented Samantha Fox. He falls in love with Circa, we're, we're told, and we see them in the grass by a lake all cuddling and flirting. He talks about how his father forbid him from marrying her due to her social status, so Dracula wanted Circa to be his mistress and share with him all but his name. But she refused and apparently was going to return to a convent. So Dracula decided to go whoring, as he says. We then cut to a whorehouse, which I thought was just a bar at first, but as I put it together, it is indeed a whorehouse. A brothel. A brothel. That's, if you will. That's uh, the better term for it. Cat house. Um, well. House of ill repute. Speaking of ill repute, Ron Jeremy is here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dracula's flirting with, uh, one of the prostitutes who yells at him for being sad about Circa abandoning him. She asks if Circa ever sucked his cock as good as she did. There's some slapstick, uh, people falling out of chairs and stuff. And then... This film has a lot of gags. <laughs> yeah. It's at this point that, uh, Ron Jeremy's character, Sasha puts a hooker who drops something in a stocks, and then another guy starts to whip her and call her a whore and a bitch. That's Simon Garfunkel. <laughs> He's got his whip. Oh, yeah. He keeps it on him. Old Simon Garfunkel. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, two ladies start to suck some guy's cock. Then a guy's fucking the woman in the stocks from behind as another guy's rubbing her clit. Uh, meanwhile, Sasha, Ron Jeremy's character, is juggling while getting a BJ. That's pretty good. I, don't <laughs> think I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm sure I could with some practice, but like right now, I couldn't list it on my, my CV. Yeah. Say. I don't know. I guess because I can't juggle at all, regardless of whether or not I'm getting a blowjob, I can't really think to myself whether or not that would be a huge... Uh, obstacle to make things harder i would guess that if nothing else it's certainly taking your attention away yeah, i think i would be maybe a little worried about dropping something on a lady's head oh yeah i guess that's you true know, especially if you're juggling like a chainsaw oh boy i <laughs> could go bad right yeah i guess so uh the we evolve into other configurations of sucking and fucking throughout this room we see Dracula watching what's going on a bit in cutaways, and finally we see some wet shots. Then, Sasha lays a woman on the table and starts to go down on her. Um, he is also, like, holding something inside of her vagina as he's playing with it. I think it's like a cherry or something, but you can see it kind of, him kind of using his finger to kind of hold it in there. Dracula's watching on, uh, seems kind of disinterested. Uh, then Sasha pulls out and comes on an apple. Yes, I did see that. And uh, that's the fruit I saw. Yeah. The prostitute that Sasha was fucking starts to taunt Dracula with the apple and talks about how he's obsessed with Circa and Dracula storms off. Then we go to another room where Circa is praying. And Dracula just snatches her up 
and then takes her in the other room, throws her on the table, and rips her clothes off. This is a combination brothel slash convent. <laughs> yes. It's like how some Pizza Huts are also a KFC. <laughs> Uh, Circa fights a bit with him and tells him to leave her alone. Um, the whole room's kind of gathered around her. Eventually, after some yelling, everyone but Dracula leaves, and Dracula fucks her as soon as they're gone. First with her laying with her back on the table, and then doggy style leaning over the table. After a minute, Dracula throws her on the ground and comes on her face, laughing afterwards, and falling back onto the table exhausted. There is a... The music in this scene goes from, like, the jaunty Renfair tune Uh to this guitar, like, picking that... I don't know, it made me feel nauseated. There was just some, (laughs) like, frequency to it that was fucking me up. Yeah. I didn't didn't care for it. Negative points. (laughs) We see Circa holding a dagger like she's going to kill Dracula, but then she just runs off. We cut to the morning, and a guy opens the door to the brothel, which awakens Dracula. He's remorseful for what he's done, and yells out Circa's name. But then we cut to Circa laying elsewhere, and she has put the dagger through herself. Oh no. We then see Dracula by her side. He seems to curse himself? to crave blood as punishment for what he did? This seems like an odd origin. And then he plunges the dagger into his own chest. Yeah, he renounces God, I guess, and becomes a vampire. Yeah, he pledges himself to Satan. I don't understand this at all. That's just vampire lore. Well, you know, you don't normally see Dracula's origin, so... I guess that's true, yeah. This could be it. Maybe it doesn't have to make sense. It could just be a thing that happened. We then cut to the present day, and we hear a woman's voice describing Dracula's castle. We see a group of tourists in modern-ish times being given a tour, uh, and in this room that they're looking through, there's a great painting of Dracula Mm -hmm. uh, as Jamie Gillis. Naturally. Uh, which I want to purchase for the Raincoat Report Studio. I'm going to scour to the ends of the earth to yes. find it. Maybe if Vinegar Syndrome puts this back out, they'll uh, make the wise idea of include uh, creating a poster to go with it. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. She, uh, The tour guide here introduces this painting as being of him at the moment he swore his alliance with Satan. She talks about how the nearby clock uh, doesn't work and there's some blood stains that could never be cleaned. One of the tourists here notes that the rug in this room should be in another one of the rooms. The guide asks how she knows that and she doesn't get an answer. The guide also explains that Count Dracula drank women's blood and not only from their necks. Oh. One of the tourists asks how the Count died, and she says that nobody knows. Some people think he's still alive, but she says that despite these rumors, she believes he's gone. The tour leaves the room, but the woman who was mentioning the rug stops and is staring at the painting of Dracula. After a moment, the guide collects her and brings her out of the room, and we get some shots of clouds in front of the moon and a wolf howling. 
some creepy jingling. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, stock footage in this one. Yeah. <laughs> then we get a shot of a room where we see two women's bodies laid out and a coffin. And then there's the steamy staircase that reminds me of corruption. Yeah. We see Dracula ascend the steps. He sits in a chair next to the coffin. And it's at that point that Dracula's brides awaken and hiss at each other before one starts to undress another. Dracula's brides are always hissing. They never talk. (laughs) I feel like in pretty much every movie they're just hissing away. We cut to some cunnilingus between the ladies, and then some wax play as one drips wax on the other's chest. When it drips wax, it makes like a laser blast sound. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get more oral in multiple positions, including one of the women more or less being bent in half completely. (laughs) She's standing. Yeah, I wrote incredible flexibility, and then I drew like a little... Kind of like a diagram of it. <laughs> like she's standing with her ass in the air, but her head is like poking back like between her legs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's really... Wow. The brides tongue kiss a bit, and then they ask Dracula if they've satisfied him, but he says that they bore him, and they have for a while. Oh. Dracula says he's going to leave, and they tell him they don't want him to go. They say they have no life without him, but he assures them... They're already dead. They get down and go to town sucking his cock. We hear voiceover asking, Who will suck his cock like they do? Who will fuck like they do? And then they repeat, To suck. To fuck. Over and over again. (laughs) As he's being blown, it's at this point that we're introduced to Renfrew. Yeah. uh, Who shows up. um, So Renfield. Yeah. Renfrew approaches and starts talking to Dracula, which doesn't stop the sucking. He apparently has some, like, holy water, Mm -hmm. and asks Dracula if he can have a turn with the women before he douses them, and Dracula tells him no. So Renfrew starts to do the dousing with the holy water on the brides, and the women scream and steam as they're burnt by the holy water. Yeah. Dracula's ice cold. And now, here's where things take a turn. We're introduced to Chikopnik. In narration, he's described as the head of security in this country. Dracula notes in narration that Chikopnik could deny Dracula's passport. So, as Chikopnik is standing there, Dracula shows up and asks if he has Dracula's passport. Chikopnik says he's a bit suspicious of Dracula and apparently thinks he's an agent for the U.S. Uh-huh. He notes that Dracula is a clever man and he thinks he's used these old wives' tales to scare people about the vampire stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a hard-headed uh, materialist. He's a good communist. <laughs> so yeah, I like him. I like that this part of this movie is about Dracula's immigration troubles. <laughs> Dracula gets upset with Chikopnik, talking about how his land was seized by the government and used as a tourist attraction. Chikopnik notes that this is the only house in the area with working plumbing, so he should be happy with that. Yeah. He then hands Dracula his passport and notes that he finds Dracula fascinating. Dracula tells Chikopnik to look into the nearby mirror, uh, which Renfrew reveals pulling away a sheet or covering. 
Dracula asks Chikopnik what he sees, and we what we see is Chikopnik's reflection, but no reflection of Dracula. Chikopnik says that he sees that Dracula is more clever than he anticipated, and he just leaves. <laughs> Renfrew gives Dracula his coat and has everything ready for him. But Renfrew notes that Dracula needs to drink before he leaves. Dracula asks if the west window is open, and Renfrew says that it is. So Dracula takes off for what he describes as his last flight in Transylvania. But moments after he flies off, we hear glass shattering, and Renfrew says that he forgot to open the window. Yeah. And we see Dracula standing there with broken glass all over him. And he's like, Arr. Yeah. A lot of these scenes kind of end with like a gag. Yeah, though. yeah. Um, so it's an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut to sleazy New York. And we get a shot of a porno theater on the outside, and then we are taken inside where uh, porno's being projected. Some sort of gangbangs on screen. Then we see a guy being joined by a woman in the theater. So the guy is Big Bird, played by Eric Edwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, the woman is Sally, also played by Samantha Fox, just as uh, Circa was. Yes. And to uh, take a step back here... Renfrew is played by Gordon G. Duvall and uh, the wives of Dracula, who are now re-deceased, are Denise Sloan and Diana Sloan. Oh, sisters. Yes. Perhaps. Perhaps. Sisters at least in name. Sisters. They're Eskimo sisters. <laughs> they are. Oh, and Chikopnik is played by Murray Bukowski. But anyhow, oh, him. here in the theater, Big Bird tells the nearby masturbating man to beat it so that he could have a private conversation with Sally. Sally hands a tape to Big Bird in exchange for money. Apparently they met at this theater because Chikopnik is gay and can't stand porn. Oh. Although when we last saw him, he was in Transylvania anyway. Well, you know, he's a, like a, he's the head of security. Yeah, I think he's like a K. I think he's like a KGB guy. These are some CIA people. Yeah, you know, um, maybe all his agents are gay too, and they can't stand porn, so they can't observe them here. Right. In either case, this location is secure. Right. So they talk about how there's a spy coming over uh, from the east, or you know, from. The Soviet Union. Um, I wasn't completely clear if they were talking about Dracula coming over, which I thought it was at first. But then, I, I don't know, they might have been talking about the uh, Albanian gentlemen who were introduced to later. It could be, but I think they might also have like Dracula on their radar. That might be. That's what I'm going to say. So, apparently Sally is going to snuff him out, and... Uh, then Big Bird demands a blowjob repeatedly before he finally just grabs her head and shoves it in his lap. Mm -hmm. We see Sally blowing Big Bird for a bit. He's demanding and tells her to do it harder and stuff. She finally finishes him off. He then asks her when she's seeing the Albanian, and she tells him, next week. We then cut to a ship, and we hear Dracula talking about being in America, 
he notes the ship carried a cargo even more dangerous than himself. Then we see a bunch of thugs checking out some drugs on board, and this group is led by Vita Valdez, played by Vanessa Del Rio. Doing one of maybe the most comically uh, stereotyped accents I've maybe ever heard. It's pretty over the top. Yeah. She doesn't, that's not her voice. No, not at all. <laughs> she yells at the guys a bit and then uh, invites them to come suck on her titties. One of the guys in this crew is Ron Hud, who we've seen three weeks in a row. One is David Ruby, two weeks in a row. Vita gets on her knees and starts blowing the three guys there. After a bit, Vita lays down and the guys suck on her nipples for a bit and one goes down on her. After a moment, he starts to fuck her. This goes on for a couple minutes and the guy, Ron Hud, blasts a load on her pubes, leg, and stomach. We then see another guy fucking Vita doggy style and she's sucking the remaining guy off. We then cut to the deck of the ship. We see a crew guy walking by and then we see a guy in a raincoat who's Renfrew dropping a crate. Back to doggy style fucking from uh, David Ruby as Vita is sucking off the remaining dude who's played by Ashley Moore. Oh, two weeks in a row. Was Ashley Moore in the last one? Yeah, he was uh, in one of the he was in the orgy scene towards that the end. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. Well Ashley Moore finished Sean Costello players. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley Moore finishes off a few moments later and Vita licks and sucks his come up. Renfrew stares at a crew member who's totally hypnotized, and it's here that we see the Draculas on the deck with them. Renfrew asks Dracula how he does that, and Dracula says, Elementary, my dear Renfrew. Ron Hud, who blew his load first, comes up on the deck and sees uh, Renfrew and Dracula up there. What and- boat do you think let them film this? I don't know. I'd imagine somebody knew somebody who worked at the dock and yeah. they just kind of snuck on board at <laughs> night. So yeah, Ron Hood uh, runs down below deck to alert the others that there are other people on the deck. So they come deckside and threaten Dracula with a knife, which does not go well for them. We get some steam busting out of some pipes for a moment and Dracula starts to overpower them. Uh, and he chases after Ron Hud as he runs away. As Dracula rounds a corner, Vita stabs him and takes his wallet. Yeah, I was like, why does Dracula have a wallet? But he also <laughs> has a passport, so. Yeah. They've modernized him. Normally he doesn't have like all his papers, I think, when he gets on the boat. He's just right. A, he's just in a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> he's just cargo, usually. Yeah, yeah. Vita runs away, but Dracula chases her up some steps and he finally corners her. And uh, pulls her tits out and starts massaging them. Then bites her neck. Then he bites her breast. And then he bites her crotch. Yes. Dracula then asks her if she can type. And she says yes. He asks how fast. She says 50 words a minute. He says marvelous. Yeah. (laughs) She has a new job. We then see Bobby Astor playing Anatoly. He is uh, having fun with his quote-unquote daughter. Yes. So I think Sally is doing undercover sex work. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anatoly loves daddy-daughter play, apparently. Call it a honeypot. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a lot 
can get blackmail material and do an assassination. Yeah. Could uh, plant some fake evidence. Pretty good. Pretty good technique. Yeah. Guys are always horny. They always get tricked by it. Yeah, they're thinking with their dicks. Yeah. So Anatoly gives Sally a lollipop. He asks her what she did today, and she talks about playing on the playground and going home and playing with her dolls. She asks if he's going away anytime soon, and he says not for a week. She asks what he does when he leaves, and he says he's very busy and has to talk to people around the world. She asks if he talks to French people or Russians. He says he doesn't talk to Russians. She asks in Chinese people too, and he says especially Chinese people. So she's pumping him for information yeah. while they're daddy-daughter role-playing. Yeah, and he's working for the the Red Chinese. He starts to put his the hand... yellow peril. Oh, boy. <laughs> he starts to put his hand up her dress, saying that he's chasing after a butterfly. He then starts to finger her, talking about how the butterfly is hiding in a cocoon, seemingly referring to her vagina. He notes the butterfly was running away from a snake, which he presents, and the snake is his cock. <laughs> he has her grab and rub the snake with her gloved hands. She's upset that he won't take her with him on his trip and starts to run away from him. He ends up tripping on his pants as he chases after her. He then threatens to spank her when he catches her, and then he does so. Mm-hmm. After giving her ass some smacks, he notes that she has a beautiful bottom and kisses it. Then, he quickly starts tonguing her ass before demanding she give the snake a kiss, and she starts to kiss and suck his cock. After a bit, he notes that the snake must chase after the butterfly, so he lays her on her side and starts to fuck her sideways. He says, you didn't know a snake could be so nice, no? She says she likes it and stuff like that. Everyone in this film is really getting a chance to try out their different accents. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I like that. I appreciate that. In a, in a world where you're, you're expected to cast people who are the things they're going to play. Yeah. It's nice to see Bobby Astor pretending to be Albanian. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a different world. Yeah. Well, he lays Sally back on the couch and holds her legs up and fucks her there for a moment before he pulls out and she tugs a big load out of him onto her belly. We then hear a ringing, and uh, Sally says it must be the doorman ringing her, so she gets up and answers the phone. But on the other end, it's Big Bird, Eric Edwards' character. She tells him that Anatoly leaves in one week from today for the summit meeting. She says that the French and Chinese will be there, but not the Russians. Uh, Big Bird tells her to snuff the Albanian. We see Sally pull a gun out, and then we cut to Anatoly laying out a Nazi uniform. Yeah, he's got a whole different fetish scene getting set up here. Yes, he in fact says that he's preparing for a game of the proctologist and the Nazi virgin. Mm. <laughs> that old game. I guess... Uh... She was going to have to wear the SS uniform. I guess so, yeah. All right. She says that she has a game that he'd love to play called Up the Keister. He's excited about this, and she tells him to bend over. He says he hopes it hurts, and she assures him it will. 
She then puts the gun up his ass and moments later pulls the trigger. Yeah. Presumably just going in a straight line and just blowing his brains right out. Right. Right up his butthole, through his guts, and all that. Yep. Real mess. Yeah. We then cut to the morgue and a detective there, uh, and I think this is Sergeant uh, Blick. Sergeant, yeah, Sergeant Blick. Who uh, we follow through this film quite a bit. Uh, he's asking about Vita's body, who's there. Uh, he also uh, loves to use uh, racist terms. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, but he asks, are you telling me somebody bit this woman to death? <laughs> Uh, the examiner shows him the bite marks, and he notes that the bite marks are deepest near the vulva. Uh, this detective is super racist throughout, <laughs> continuing to uh, drop slurs, but the examiner notices that Vita's face isn't showing terror, it's showing pleasure. The examiner then tells the morgue assistant, played by Herschel Savage, mm -hmm. to take care of Vita, as uh, the examiner and Sergeant Blick walk away. The morgue assistant uncovers Vita's body and starts to fondle her immediately. Is there a, Was there a scene like this in Dracula Sucks with John Holmes? Was he fucking around with the corpse that... I don't think so. Okay. I know that he, like, makes it with, like, a nurse yeah. at one point, but I couldn't remember if... I don't think so. I think no, I'm, just... I'm thinking uh, the thing that this reminds me of is uh, Too Naughty to Say No, where we have Harry Reams as The Undertaker. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think retroactively, I think I need to give that movie like a five. We talk about it so much. It's it's pretty good. It's a... Uh, last time I watched it, I really had a ball. Yeah. <laughs> We get a cutaway shot of Dracula sitting up in his coffin. We cut back to the morgue assistant. He's shoving his cock in Vita's dead mouth and starts to fuck it. After a bit, we see him kneeling on the table above her, still fucking her mouth as he moves her head by pulling her hair. Dracula's eyes are real big as he's laying in his coffin, I guess visualizing this he's, or whatever. He's rising slowly from his, yes. from his, day, his daytime trance period of rest we see the morgue assistant going down on vita then we see him fucking vita this continues for a bit with more cutaways to dracula mm -hmm. then we see vita's eyes open as the assistant finishes fucking her and comes on her stomach she then sits up with her vampire teeth and we hear screaming and i think that is like the famous image from this film is vanessa del rio with like the big vampire teeth Oh, I, know, yeah. I know I used it for advertising last year because I thought we were going to cover this then. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, we didn't. Yeah. And now look at us. Now look at us. Covering a it. A year late and a dollar short. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a Patreon plug, but I don't feel too greedy. <laughs> but if you want to pass us a buck. Yeah. Or five. Yes. Patreon.com slash report. Yeah, two... Bonus episodes. Bonus episodes every month, ad-free, and you get them early whenever I'm done, as far as the main show is concerned. And uh, I'll be your buddy. Yeah. And uh, you can hear all the spooky things we found on Pornhub. Oh, they're so scary. We see Chikopnik get a call from Big Bird, who congratulates him on knowing his new secure number. 
Big Bird tells him that the Albanian isn't going to make it to the summit, and Chikopnik says that he knew already. Big Bird congratulates him on his new man, a so-called cultural secretary. It's here that we find out that Dracula is now leading the Transylvanian Cultural Exchange Program, and Vita is his secretary. Mm-hmm. We cut to some sort of audition where a woman is undressing for Dracula and dancing. She's clumsy, and eventually they stop the music, and he calls her charming. Uh, her stage name is Gilda Glad. Okay. He asks if she enjoys travel, and she says she might. She asks if she has to fuck for this job. She says she has fucked for jobs in the past, but she doesn't do that anymore. He asks if she finds him attractive, and she does. He then leans in to bite her neck, and she tells him, It's just that I have the clap. So Dracula sits up and wipes his mouth. Yeah. She's dressed like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. (laughs) We then cut to Sally singing for Dracula. She's singing some Hungarian folk song. She says her mother used to sing it to her, and Dracula says that his mother sung it to him as well. He asks her if he knows her, uh, clearly noticing that she looks just like Circa, his old love. Mm-hmm. She introduces herself as Sally and says that she's half Romanian. She asks him if she got the gig, and he says that she will have to trust her career to him, but it'll be rewarding. We then cut to Sally and Dracula in a horse-drawn carriage. And then we see Dracula carrying a hot dog and feeding it to Sally. Oh, they're in love. <laughs> in narration, he talks about his new interest in her. Then we cut to Dracula talking to Renfrew about how he should have never come here and he should be dust by now. He has Renfrew play some music for him. And he says he wants to remember days long ago. He wants to remember Circa. We get a brief flashback to Dracula with Circa. And then we see Sally looking into a mirror and seeing Dracula's image in it. She says she's been waiting for him. We see more of Dracula sulking, but then cut back to Sally who's masturbating as she stares at Dracula's image in her mirror. After a bit, she blows out a candle and starts using it to masturbate, first just rubbing it against her labia, and then fucking herself with it. I think wick first. It does appear to be, once again, wick first. Right? I guess that's just the more tapered end. It's easier to get it in, but I feel like that wick's gonna tickle. Yeah. Uh, She comes after a bit, and we see Dracula elsewhere grunting. Then Sally looks into the mirror and stares at herself. We then cut to Vita who is talking to Sergeant Blick, who has showed up. Blick says that you're dead. She asks him if she looks dead, and he admits that she doesn't, but points out the striking resemblance to somebody he just saw. She says, you know what they say, all us, (laughs) racial slur, look alike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this racist statement is convincing enough to this racist. Yeah. She asks again how she can help him, and he asks if the Count is there. She says he went out for a bite, but he might be back soon. Vita sits next to Blick and starts rubbing him. He asks her where the Count was on the night of the murder, and she says she thinks he was home. 
She continues to rub him, and he notes that she's not helping, but she notes she's not hurting. Blick says he's got to get out of here. Vita asks him if he doesn't like her. He says he doesn't, and he doesn't like her dirty hands touching him either. You think that's racist, or you think it's a statement of fact? You think her hands were just sticky? It's at least racist, but it might also be factual. Okay. I don't want to just write this guy off completely as a racist. You know, I want to find a redeeming fact. (laughs) I want to see the redeeming humanity in him. He closes his eyes, and then we fade in and see him naked on the couch now. And then we see Vita in full dominatrix gear with her tits out. She's got little devil wings. I didn't notice that. Yeah, she's a little devil, and he's a little piggy. Yes, he is. Uh, Vita tells Blick to come here, and when he tries to stand up, she corrects him. Not like that. After all, he is a pig. Yeah. He should come to her like a pig. He gets down on his hands and knees, and she makes him oink like a pig. At first, it's not enough. She makes him oink harder. She makes him kiss her feet and look at her pussy, but he can't touch it. Finally, she does relent and has him start licking it. She falls to the ground and Blick continues to go down on her. She tells him to suck it and he sucks and licks away. We cut to her straddling his face and then she starts to suck his cock. They're in a full 69 at this point. Yes. This continues for a bit with a focus on the blowjob. Then we cut to Vita riding Blick cowgirl with a penetration shot from behind. After a bit, she tells him to come on her face, and we see him give Vita a facial. Excellent. Which uh, shows off her vampire teeth. Yeah. She hisses as she licks his (laughs) cock more. I love when vampires hiss. It's my favorite thing about them. (laughs) We cut to Big Bird, who throws a dagger at Sally. He yells at her for being in love with, quote, that commie bastard. He threatens to blow her out like a fart if she crosses him, <laughs> which was an interesting choice of words. I think it's good. You know, we going to get blown out like a fart. <laughs> it's going to stink and you ain't going to like it. He says he wants to know where Dracula goes during the day and such and tells Sally that she needs to stop sucking his cock. Sally yells that he's never had a problem with that before. After all, that's what she's been doing to do all this espionage. Mm-hmm. He tells her to leave town, and she calls him sick, saying they both are at this point. Big Bird yells as she leaves that she's fucking a dead man, which I guess is true. Yeah, that's uh, irony. <laughs> you know, we know, they don't know. We cut to, Yeah. We cut to police HQ. Sergeant Blick gets a call from Vita who apparently has uh, him under mind control at this point. She's uh, hypnotized him and whatnot. Yeah, she's doing like a... She's making her own little like vampire uh, army. Yeah. She tells him he leaves tomorrow night, so tonight's the night. And Blick says, yes, mistress. She has him get crosses, holy water, and wooden stakes. She tells Blick to be there at dawn and no sooner. She hangs up and then tells Renfrew that no man is going to fuck her and leave, even the Count. Uh-oh. Renfrew tears open Vita's pantyhose and seemingly starts to go down on her, though we quickly cut away. 
Brinfrew was just in it. He's just in it for the pussy. Like he's finally getting to hit. Yeah. So he's he's like, all right. He's like, I don't. he's upset because he couldn't get blown by the two brides at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. This is why you gotta be nice to your employees, boss. Yeah. I don't have any employees. Me. Oh. I work for you. Oh yeah. I watch all these pornography films. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Sally, who's meeting up with Dracula. She explains Big Bird is with the FIB, and he's on to them. Oh, just another. We that's what we need. Another three letter agency <laughs> poking in our business. She explains she was paid to spy on Dracula, and apparently Renfrew was threatened with deportation and gave the FIB a bunch of information. Dracula tells her to leave and be safe, but Sally says she can't. She loves him. He tells her then that she must learn about him. He pulls out a book written in Latin, and she looks at it and can't read Latin, so he tells her to read it from his eyes. And so we get an on-screen translated text uh, overlay at first, but um, we hear in his voice the narration of what she's reading. It's Dracula explaining his past and his self-pronounced curse. I've already heard all this. His craving for blood and his unfulfilled passion for 400 years. Sally tells him to let her try to satisfy him. He says her satisfying him would mean her death, but she's okay with this, and tells him to love her. We cut to Big Bird packing his gun and saying, Goodbye, you commie greaser. (laughs) Do you think this point in the film where they're literally doing exposition they've already covered would have been a better point to insert his origin story. Perhaps. Yeah. Like, or at least like partially like trim it down to like a nice, like, like eight minutes from like the 17 minutes. I think that the one difficulty though is it's kind of, I think it's important to introduce Circa as a character at the beginning so that you understand that like, when he sees Sally, he sees Circa. And... That makes, yeah, that makes sense. But, but there's also, I don't know. I feel there's like there's a better, there's a better way movie. to, there's a better way to uh, include that instead of just being like, read this Latin book through my eyes. Yes, for sure. That's some fucking Twilight shit. We cut to Dracula undressing Sally and slowly caressing her. We then see Chikopnik getting in his car. He says, now my dear count, the end of the game. <laughs> We cut back and Sally's blowing Dracula and stops to suck his balls for a moment. We then see Sergeant Blick in his car as his sirens blaring. Sally lays back on a table and Dracula starts to go down on her. This continues for a minute and then Sally says, Do it now, Leo, and Dracula bites her neck. I forgot to point out that his name is said multiple times in it. it. He has like three first fucking names and they're all stupid as hell. One of them's Georgie. Yeah, it's like Leonard, Georgie, something. Fuck him. He's just Count Dracula. But anyway, Dracula bites her neck. Dracula caresses her breasts, and we see him fucking her, standing as she lays on the table, and then we cut to some doggy-style fucking. Blick is in his car saying, come on, come on, over and over again. We see Sally licking his cock as she lays in the coffin, Dracula says, now redemption is at hand, and he strokes and yells, Circa! 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 as he comes on Sally's face. Yes. We cut to Renfrew being blown by Vita. He yells, Renfrew has arrived! And he yells, don't stop. 
But she stops. He says, why did you stop? He looks up, and she's now just a skeleton holding his cock. (laughs) Chikopnik and the FIB and police all show up at the same time and find the place empty other than some pigeons. Apparently, Dracula and Sally turned into birds, and they uh, shit on Blick's face on the way out of the building. In narration, Dracula says, he was transformed from a creature of the night into a dove of peace flying with Sally into the rising sun. And then we cut to credits. And that was Dracula Exotica. That wasn't no damn dove. Those are pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> He's turned into a trash bird. I think in New York City, you, you just consider pigeons doves because that's the closest thing you've got to I think doves. They, they got, I think they might get both. Oh. I don't know. Was that Leading Home Alone 2? she a pigeon lady? I think she's a pigeon lady. But Kevin gives her a gift of turtle doves. Oh. And ornaments. Maybe Maybe she... they just didn't have a pigeon. They didn't have a pigeon ornament at that <laughs> store Donald Trump was at. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, so that was a fucking pigeon. Fair enough. That's all I'm going to say. I'm my uh, amateur uh, ornithologist. <laughs> I know the difference. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Dracula Exotica. I'm going to give Boss a demonstration of bird calls. No. <laughs> You're a pig. Come to me like a pig. Now. Let's hear it for all the pigs in the fucking world. Oink, oink, oink. What's the matter? You don't hear good? I said all the pigs. Oink, oink, oink. That's good. Kiss my feet. Come on, closer. I'm going to blow you out like a fart. That's all you got to say. Well, we're back on the raincoat report. Talking the most exotic Dracula that we've talked about to date. So, Jeremy, what did you think about Dracula Exotica? Film's not really what I expected going in, I think, as we established in the opening. <laughs> this movie's kind of zany. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a comedy, but not really. Like, it gets its gags in. Right. But it's not like... Uh, They're not really there to, like, break the tension or anything too much. It's just kind of, like, a very lighthearted film for the most part. Right. It doesn't treat, like, uh, vampirism or being a vampire curse too seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it has a happy ending. They turn into pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it's the happiest uh, way to resolve anything. Yeah. I don't know. I found it a lot more amusing than entertaining than last week's uh, Sean Costello film. Okay. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed getting to see Jamie Gillis play Dracula again and kind of put more of himself into it instead of just kind of relying on a lot of the universal Dracula stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a pretty decent take on it. I like that it's set in the modern day and we, for reasons not 
ever fully fleshed out. There's a lot of Cold War intrigue going on just yeah. because he's going to America. Yeah. Uh, like in Pandora's Mirror, the narrative isn't like incredibly strong or complex. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of kind of goofy episodes strung together with some uh, decent sex scenes in them. Yeah. But like I said, I, I found it a lot more enjoyable of a film overall. I uh, was very amused. I thought Vanessa Del Rio's character was, uh, well, maybe a little racist. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to see her. Nice to see her with those big plastic fangs in. I, I don't really, I can't think of anything I, I truly disliked about this film. Okay. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I don't want to compare it too much because, you know, they're, def- they're different films. But uh, I thought it was a more coherent film than Dracula Sucks. I know that one kind of got cut up into a bunch of different versions. Right. But uh, this feels like a more complete film. And it has a, a much more unique take on the Dracula mythos than you normally get. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit more like the Christopher Lee, like, Hammer films, like, when he, like, gets into, like, the 70s and stuff, where they kind of modernize him a bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's sort of like that in its, uh, in its way. I think that might be a little inspiration on these. Uh, yeah, just a, just a good old time down on the sex farm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd give it, I'd give it a four. I found it infinitely amusing, there's some solid performances throughout. There's some good gags. There's a, uh, like in Pandora's mirror, there's some solid settings, uh, and, uh, good costuming for the most part. Like there are early on, there's some period stuff that you go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Nice. Giving it, I'm stamping it with the four. Okay. Giving it a boom. <laughs> well, I, uh, I had fun with this one. I think that it uh, it definitely defied my expectations of what this film was going to be. I think that it was an interesting take on the Dracula mythos, uh, completely rewriting a lot of it. Um, the fact that it becomes this weird Cold War political thing mm-hmm. along the way is pretty amusing to me. Vanessa Del Rio's character was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, the the fact that really nobody in the film like accomplishes anything yeah is interesting. Yeah, there's like it's kind of an anticlimax. They just become pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. Bust on a nut broke the curse. Like that's what was yeah. holding him back. Like he could never love again, and now he's finally found right, right. the reincarnation of his lost love. I think Francis Ford Coppola is a secret fan of this one. Yeah, I think that he should have hired Jamie Gillis to be Dracula in his Dracula film rather yeah. than Gary Oldman. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman's great, but, you know, Jamie Gillis, come on. Yeah, he was still around. Yep. And he's... uh, He was out on the prowl in that time frame. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he was looking pretty rough by the time that mm, one came around. Might be. Might be. But, I mean, you know, he, he's supposed to be undead. I would like to imagine him in that big, like, powdered wig yeah. at the beginning. That <laughs> yeah. would be good. <laughs> but uh, I think that this film overall, it's it's a lot of fun. 
I wouldn't say that I was in love with any aspect of it, Mm -hmm. but I think across the board, it's just entertaining. I think that the sex in it was decent. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that there was anything too exceptional in it, but it was decent enough. And the plot, I would definitely agree that it was more coherent than Dracula Sucks. But I think I like Dracula Sucks a little bit more. Oh, yeah? Um, just because the... the it, it's, it's so wild and weird and uh, has such a great cast. Yeah. But... I can think of this as like a spiritual sequel to that in a way. Yeah. It's still a very bizarre Dracula film. Yeah. Jamie Gillis is still hanging around, so... Yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. All right. I like it. I like it too. It's worth checking out. I hope that this gets a restoration. Uh, I had a DVD version of it that looked kind of like crap, so it made me go, oh, is there a better version of this out there? So I went and looked around, and even the version that's like up on streaming sites and stuff mm-hmm. right now looks like this. It's okay. It's like just... a real beat-up VHS transfer. Right, yeah. It's probably the exact transfer that came out on VHS in the 80s with nobody ever going back to rescan <laughs> it. Uh, so yeah, hopefully Vinegar Syndrome or somebody else uh, gives it a good restoration here in the near future. They like Sean Costello stuff, so yeah. if they can, uh, maybe they will at some point. Yeah, I think this one needs a little bit of let's put a little bit of polish on it. Yeah, you know how much we like polish. We do like polish. We also like when people follow our Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report, uh, and you can always reach out to RaincoatReport at gmail dot com if you need to reach out to us. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And, uh, you know, if you're going to go overseas to be the new minister of uh, culture in another country and you're going to take a boat over in your coffin, uh, don't forget your raincoat. Because uh, even Renfrew had to have his raincoat on that boat. Yeah, you're getting blasted with the sea mist. Yeah. And you want to just stay a little dry. A little dry. So, you know. I think that's good advice. If you're going on a long sea voyage, it's Dracula's servant. Don't forget your raincoat. Yeah. Yeah. You bastards. <laughs> From an evil creature of the night, I was transformed to a dove of peace. And with my beloved Sally, flew towards the rising sun. <laughs>